Hey everyone, welcome to Chartable Radio, episode number two. And this one we're going to be talking about the best podcasts of 2018 and our predictions for 2019 and beyond. My name is Dave. I'm Harish. We are the co-founders of Chartable.com and we are so happy you're here with us. Let's get right to it. So I think anyway, you slice it, 2018 was a pretty amazing year for podcasts. Uh, we spent a lot of time investigating what's going on with podcasts, and we found that about 200,000 podcasts were launched in 2018. Uh, that's about a third of all shows ever, which is totally insane. Uh, so those 200,000 shows published over 13 and a half million episodes this year. So no matter how you slice it, podcasts have been growing, and that growth has been accelerating. It's, pre- it's pretty insane that number backs out to thousands of new shows a month. Right. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, by all means, go right ahead. But remember that you're going to be one of 2,500 podcasts that are launched in the average week. Everyone, everyone has their own podcast now. It's the new blog. It's, it's great. It's the new blog. I'm excited about it. So we're going to look at the top podcasts in a few different ways. We're going to look at shows that spend the most time in the top 10 in the US. We're going to look at the most reviews. We'll also look at what the critics are saying, and then we're finally going to talk about our own personal favorites. So uh, since we launched Chartable this year, we've seen about 4,200 podcasts top the charts in the U.S. And what we mean by that is a podcast that hit the top 10 in the top podcast chart in the U.S. So you open up your iPhone app and you see these pods right away. Uh, This is probably the most vanilla of the list that we compiled uh, because it's the usual suspects. If you have spent any time in the podcast universe, you'll recognize this list. Topping out the list is the Joe Rogan Experience, which spent a whopping 45 weeks in the top 10. Serial, which of course launched its second season recently uh, after a multi-year... Third season. Third season recently after uh, a hiatus. Uh, It spent about 24 weeks in the top 10, uh, which is all the more remarkable because it was launched in the latter half of the year. Dr. Death, uh, which uh, you know had an incredible uh, launch. It had the most number of ratings uh, within the first uh, few weeks of it launching uh, as compared to pretty much any show of all time. Spent 14 weeks in the top 10. My Favorite Murder uh, spent 13 weeks in the top 10. And then, of course, uh, Revisionist History, the Malcolm Gladwell podcast, spent about 10 weeks in the top 10. Yeah, so this is perhaps not surprising to see these names on the these list. These are all the usual suspects. Right. So maybe we can take another crack at the list at the top podcast of the year and say, okay, well, which podcast got the most reviews? Let's do it. So uh, we've tracked about 1.2 million podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher uh, over the past year. Uh, and that's just over a quarter of all reviews written ever. And remember that podcasts have been around since 2005, but a quarter of all reviews ever were written in the last year. So that's pretty cool. So let's look at the podcast with the most reviews. The top podcast is called The Misfits Podcast with just over 13,000 reviews, followed by Small Town Murder, a true crime show with just under 7,000 reviews. And then this is an interesting one. I'm Rappaport, uh, all in caps, Stereo Podcast. Um, which has just over 4,000 reviews. However, unlike all the rest of the shows with a lot of reviews, it has a pretty low rating. Most of the shows that tend to get reviews get good reviews because otherwise there wouldn't be a lot of people listening. Um, However, 
uh, the average uh, score for this show is 1.7 stars with just over 42,000 people rating it, which I think is interesting. The, the whole idea of ranking by reviews gets you a pretty different picture of what's going on in the industry. You could call this engagement. We do know that uh, you know, the, the reviews can be gamed, so there's always that element of, well, how did this podcast get this many reviews? Uh, and then you know, we also know from uh, you know, various people who have written about this, I, I think uh, a blog that came out of uh, Panoply recently wrote about how the most polarizing podcasts actually you know, tend to get the most reviews. Uh, so, you know, this might be an instance of that. All right. And that's followed by Pretty Basic with Alicia Marie and Remy Cruz, uh, which I believe is a social media stars, Instagram stars, turned the podcast podcast uh, with 3,170 reviews, followed very closely by Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. So this is, again, a, a pretty different view on popular shows than the very expected Joe Rogan serial Dr. Death list of the most time in the top 10. Uh, but we're chartable. We're a data company. We're going to take another slice. So this time we are going to look at the international distribution of shows. So how many of uh, how many different countries did a podcast chart in? And let's rank podcasts by the number of times they appeared in the top 10 in the most number of countries. This one is particularly fascinating to me because, you know, I, I tend to spend a lot of time in the U.S. podcast bubble, and I, I can honestly say that I have not listened to most of these podcasts, even though they obviously have a global appeal. The first one up is TED Talks Daily, charts in 130 countries. That's out of 155 total, right? So basically almost every country. In the, in the top 10. Right. The Global News Podcast, which is from the BBC, with 123 charts, 123 countries. A return to uh, Pretty Basic with Alicia Marie and Remy Cruz, which is on the most reviews uh, ranking, with 87 countries. So, you know, th this, this is pretty global, but you'll notice that there's already kind of a steep drop off, right? We went from 130 for TED Talks, 120 for Global News, down to 87. Stuff You Should Know, the uh, iHeartMedia, I believe, uh, podcast with 77 countries. And then, uh, you know, one of the more usual suspects, the Joe Rogan Experience with charts in 76 countries. Interesting that Joe Rogan is also super popular, but still nowhere near as popular as TED Talks. For a show that tends to be number one or number two in the U.S. pretty consistently and had 45 weeks in the U.S. top 10 chart, you would expect that it might be higher on this list, but it actually comes in at number five. So here's another way to slice it. Uh, this is a project that I took on thinking it would be a ton of work, and, and it was. And uh, you're going to get the benefit of it, hopefully. So everybody loves to do their top 10 lists or top five lists or top 100 lists if you're the Bellow Collective. So I took everyone's uh, top lists and smashed them all together to see um, just which podcasts uh, are mentioned on the most lists. So I went to 18 different lists from critics uh, with a total of 360 different podcast recommendations uh, from sources like the New York Times, from Nick Quatt, Vulture, from Time Magazine, Onion AV Club, um, Discover Pods, NPR, uh, that's Minnesota Public Radio, and a bunch of other sources. And this gives you, a, again, another different lens on, on what the critics think are popular. 
Caleb Fate appeared on 12 of the 18 lists that I look at. So that's the number one podcast if you aggregate it. Uh, and I personally absolutely love the show. It's not surprising that other people did too. It's, it was amazing, disturbing, uh, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and that's followed by In the Dark, uh, the second season of In the Dark from APM Reports uh, with 10 of the 18 lists. Followed by Slow Burn with another 10. Serial showed up on eight lists with their season three. Uh, 99% Invisible, and specifically the thing that people mentioned was Articles of Interest, which is a mini-series that 99% Invisible did on, art, on clothing and different articles of clothing, uh, showed up on seven lists. The 30 for 30 podcast from ESPN, uh, which published a mini-series on Bikram Yoga and the sexual abuse allegations against the founder, showed up on five lists. Uh, and running it out, we have Heavyweight from Gimlet, Dr. Death from Wondery, and Believed from Michigan Public Radio on five lists as well. So this is a very different list than all the other ones. Uh, Completely different. You'll notice a few different things. First, that almost all these are scripted shows, I think with the exception of Heavyweight. So they're documentaries. They're meant to be listened serially in the style of serial. Uh, They're not conversational shows. uh, They're not weekly shows. Another thing you'll notice about it is that they all come from established media and podcast organizations. Right. You see... Uh, Caliphate from New York Times, you see Slow Burn from Slate, you see uh, an ESPN show, Dr. Death is Wondery. Right, and uh, uh, 99% Visible is from Radiotopia slash PRX. Right. Uh, so these are all companies that are you know, heavily invested in the podcast ecosystem. There is no independent show on this list. Right, and that's, that's in stark contrast to pretty much all of the lists that we pulled using uh, data from Chartable, right? Almost every other one of those lists you see, uh, you know, something like the Joe Rogan Experience, which is probably the canonical indie podcast that you know is is extremely popular. Uh, the Misfits podcast topped the most reviews list. Uh, you have uh, you know pretty basic with two uh, social media stars uh, topping those lists. Uh, so you know th- this list just looks so different to me. Uh, and, you know, um, it's not to say that I don't listen to these shows. To be honest, I listen to more of these shows than I listen... More of the critical... Uh, more, more of the ones that are on, these, on this list uh, as compared to the list that we pulled from the data. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. So maybe uh, we're just uh, snobs like the critics are. Uh, yeah, or, or, you know, it's possible that uh, there's, there's this uh, 80-20 breakdown or something where folks who are uh, very much into podcasts, uh, which would, you know, be maybe 20% of podcast listeners end up listening to these types of shows uh, where there's a strong element of investigative journalism. Uh, there's a strong narrative arc. Uh, whereas, you know, 80% of more casual listeners uh, tend to listen to conversational shows or shows that they don't have to be as invested in to enjoy the full benefits of. Yeah. So I think that um, we're also going to see, I would imagine next year at this time, even more uh, critics lists. And I would expect also, uh, a wider variety of shows to be published in between now and then. More than 200,000 podcasts will be published by this time next year. Yeah. New podcasts. Yeah. Uh, probably more like 300,000 if things go the way they are. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be really curious to see not just like which shows end up on the critics list and which shows end up on our kind of data-driven list, but also like whether there are different kinds of shows that end up there. Right. So you mean just a completely different format or something that we haven't seen yet? Because if you look at the top charts on of like movies or TV, um, they look very different than what you see on podcasts, whether that's like 
there's no Joe Rogan equivalent, really, or I guess, I mean, maybe there is, uh, but there's no equivalent of these like in-depth uh, investigative shows that are on the top charts of, you know, primetime television. Uh, you know, stuff is more like The Voice or reality TV. Um, right. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't seem like we've seen or, or heard, I suppose, uh, that podcast yet. Uh, not not one that has traction like these other podcasts on these lists do. Yeah, so if anyone wants to do a singing competition, hit me up. Um, <laughs> I'm a really good singer. Uh, That's true. He is. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your what was your favorite show of the year? It would absolutely have to be Caliphate. And uh, you know, one thing that I was thinking about uh, before we were recording the podcast and thinking about my favorite, I I've probably been addicted to, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I've probably been addicted to three podcasts uh, over the last few years. Uh, the first season of Serial, uh, Caliphate, and then actually Slow Burn. Uh, and what's, what's interesting to me about it is, you know, I, I get addicted to other types of media, reading, or, you know, even watching some types of television shows. With podcasts, I have very specific memories of when I was listening to the podcast, what kind of mood it put me in, uh, and you know just everything about the experience. So the first season of Serial, for example, I was on uh, parental leave with uh, with my son, and I remember walking around my neighborhood with him uh, in a stroller, trying to get him to sleep, listening to Serial. That's so intense. So so crazy, <laughs> uh, and you know it was it was that time of year where it was a little. Uh, you know, it was New York in the fall, so it was kind of getting dreary. So the mood kind of fit uh, the podcast. And I, I just, I, I'll probably always carry those memories. Uh, and with Caliphate, it was actually when we were starting Chartable that I started listening to it. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever forget the experience of it being, uh, you know, the summer, uh, meeting up with Dave to talk about uh, plans for Chartable, listening to Caliphate on the way, uh, and then, you know, often discussing the episode with him uh, when we met up. Uh, and, you know, to me, this is this is something that's kind of unique about uh, podcasting, which is, you know, I haven't said anything about Caliphate in particular, but but just just the experience of it is so memorable to me as compared to a lot of other types of media I consume. Uh, and, and there's something about that experience that that sticks with me. And Caliphate is, is up there. That's really interesting. I haven't actually heard anyone talk about that. But I, once you mentioned that, like my favorite of the year was Slow Burn, uh, both seasons. Uh, but I remember very specifically, like going to meet you in Brooklyn, uh, right. listening to, uh, you know, the slow burn episode where they go into the details of, uh, you know, when the star report was released and, uh, the kind of, uh, the nitty gritty, the gory details, if you will. And I remember thinking like, God, this is so insane. And yeah. I remember walking to the train and sitting on the train, listening to this, just being like totally, you know, having my mind blown by this show. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very different thing than. You know, whether you're watching TV at home or sitting in bed, like, uh, you know, Netflix and chilling uh, before you go to sleep. Um, it's maybe it's because you're out in the world while you're listening to it. And it's because it's such a personal uh, experience. At least that's how I listen to shows. Um, you know, I don't listen to them a ton at home. So uh, it combines with your mood and the place you're in right. for like a much stronger memory uh, than, say, you know, binging a certain show at home at night. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's just so, uh, permanent, uh, as well. I, I just don't, I, I, I feel like these experiences are going to stay with me. So you, you said that slow burn was your favorite of 2018. Yeah, totally. Just like extremely well done mixed in. I thought mixing in, um, 
the news clips of the time was really interesting. It was done in a very tasteful but also vivid way where you could really kind of experience the story as it must have felt at the time. I wasn't old enough, uh, perhaps not obviously, but obviously to me, I wasn't old enough to be around for Water Day, but I was like, you know, in, co- uh, in high school rather when uh, the Monica Lewinsky stuff was happening uh, for season two of uh, Slow Burn and didn't really understand that much of it at the time, but I remember it being saturated on the media. And so just kind of like uh, to experience it with the kind of uh, contemporary commentary mixed in with uh, commentary from the present day, I thought was like super powerful and that they um, handled some really thorny, gnarly issues around um, power and feminism and um, all sorts of things. They handled it extremely well with like a lot of nuance. And that, that kind of nuance is like fairly rare in this environment, in my opinion. Uh, you know, mostly what we read are like, you know, blurring headlines of crazy things happening. Um, but somehow Slow Burn managed to dig super deep uh, and in a very nuanced and interesting way where even though I didn't agree with some of the folks that they had, uh, some of the takes of the different folks on the show, uh, I feel like I understood them in a deeper way than I would have like reading it, for example. For sure. I, I feel like I absorbed, I, I listened to, uh, you know, the, the, the most recent season of Silver and Two and stuff. one of my favorites. I, I feel like I absorbed much more of the nuance and detail than I do when I read uh, articles about, you know, similar events or, uh, you know, when I also, uh, you know, I guess I was in high school as well, but when I also was witnessing it in real time, uh, it was, it was just, a, a much more complete picture of what was going on. Yeah. Um, my other favorites, uh, from the year I'll just throw out there. I love, uh, I'm a nerd. So the A16Z podcast, like, uh, it's a good one. It's not, not all of them connect with me, but there's some like great conversations about tactics from like one of the bigger, uh, venture capital firms out in the Bay area. Um, conversations with Tyler, also for nerds, uh, you know, nerds interviewing nerds, kind of, I guess kind of my thing. If I'm going to listen to a conversational show, it's kind of like our show. Anything else on your list? Uh, you know, I was trying to narrow down a favorite episode of a show that I, that I've listened to. And I, I do think it was in, uh, uh, A16E podcast episode. I'm forgetting the name of, uh, the person who was on, it was, uh, he started a talent agency. Uh, Michael Ovitz? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they they had him on and they were just talking about uh, some of the so they they being the you know one of the partners, uh, maybe multiple of the partners were were interviewing uh, him on the podcast. Uh, that's typically the setup is you know the partners will be talking about something uh, or they'll be interviewing someone. Uh, and you know in, in particular it was it was about some of the parallels in uh, you know, what, what he had done, uh, with this talent agency that became extremely popular or powerful, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and what, what it takes to build a startup, uh, which is of course on my mind, uh, all the time. Uh, and it, you know, it was just something about seeing all those parallels that really, really resonated with me. Do you have any predictions for what we might see in 2019? I think that we're going to see different experiments in format uh, and in content in 2019. I think that we've seen a lot of traditional media companies experiment with podcasts this year. I've seen a lot of celebrities experiment with podcasts this year. I think the secret is starting to get out that there's something special happening in this medium. Uh, at least I hope it's getting out, but it seems like it. Uh, for example, Rachel Maddow's show, Batman, um, super successful. 
you know, obviously Rachel Maddow has a lot on her plate, uh, you know, running the nightly show on MSNBC, but hopefully, um, that, uh, that brings more interest from, uh, folks who have audiences on other platforms, uh, to do great, uh, native podcasts as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we did end up seeing like a voice competition show at some point or a dating show or something more like what you'd see on a different medium. Um, I read this book, uh, The Master Switch, uh, by this author, Tim Wu, who's uh, in New York. He's a Columbia University professor. Uh, and it's about the history of communication technologies and media and media platforms uh, from uh, the telegraph, wireless communication, wireless telegraph to radio and TV. Um, and there's these amazing cycles that seem to repeat themselves over history. Uh, and it's really interesting to see that a lot of this stuff that was super popular on radio then became super popular on TV. And we haven't really seen a lot of that kind of experimentation and, and content on podcasts, maybe because it's been such a hobbyist-oriented, technical-oriented thing for such a long time. Um, so I'm not saying I'm like dying to hear the Bachelor podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll hear one. Uh, but I would be interested. Uh, I'm open to hearing new stuff, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what people do. One uh, one thing that I think will happen, in addition to the innovation and content, I, I think that there's going to be a new podcast player that approaches the industry in a different way, uh, content in a different way, uh, and actually gains significant market share in the industry. I might be wrong about this. Besides Apple or Spotify? Yeah, so a, to- a totally new player. I think, uh, you know, both Apple and Spotify. Apple, you know, of course, in a lot of ways, they invented the industry, but it's sort of a an, an open secret that they are neglecting it. Uh, and if anyone's listening to Apple, we love you. <laughs> we do, we do, we do. Uh, but, you know, it does seem like there's some stagnation or at least a lack of innovation that's happening uh, on the Apple Podcasts app. Spotify is is coming at it from uh, the vantage point of being a music player first and trying to innovate their way into introducing podcasts. It would be nice to see uh, you know, a dedicated podcast-first experience really gain traction uh, and get the same kinds of numbers. And I think it's going to go hand-in-hand hand with the content innovation. I think that uh, you know, this player is probably going to be piggybacking on some innovation on content uh, whether it's a new format, uh, you know, or a new style of distributing content, uh, it's, not, it's not clear. Uh, but I think with, you know, estimated three hundred thousand new shows launching next year, that's a lot of that's a lot of space to try something different. Uh, and you know, it feels like one of those three hundred thousand shows is going to hit on something fundamental. All right. So we talked about new content. We talked about a new player probably leveraging some new kind of content. I would say that I would expect the amount of advertising money to uh, increase. I'd expect we see new and different kinds of advertisers. I mean, I, everyone loves Blue Apron and Casper and ZipRecruiter, which is apparently a great piece of software. If you look at the stats, uh, 2017, the IAB, the Internet Advertising Bureau, estimated that there was a $320 million advertising market. It should be bigger in 2018. We haven't seen numbers yet. We'll see them early next year. I would expect it to be even bigger if MSNBC and NBC and... Um, Wondery, all the podcast native companies are going to be keep investing. And uh, if this medium continues to grow, I expect we'll see a lot of different stuff happening there. And hopefully some innovation in the format of the ads as well. I mean, I love hearing about how people like their mattresses. Uh, it seems uh, kind of quaintly old fashioned to me that that's like how things go. I understand that a lot of people in the industry feel really strongly about it. Um, but I would expect to see something 
I would expect to see things change, if not next year, then within the next couple of years. So that's it for us. That's it for us. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you in 2019.